Inspiring people made more impactful with our knowledge partner Pick a Book. So let me tell you a little bit about Pick a Book. It's a global book reading movement that inculcates the habit of reading in each and every one of us. If you are wondering why this happens, it is simply because we are living in a generation we are getting lost in technology and most of them don't even see it. People tend to lose the importance of reading a book every now and then. As a book reading club, we try to inspire and change participants' self by engaging them in a habit of reading. If you are interested in getting know more about the global movement, do get in touch with them via Facebook or the email which is reading at pickabook.club. And if you are interested in taking Pickabook as a franchise to your own city or country, do get in touch and let us know and we would love to encourage people to get into the habit of reading. Pickabook a global reading moment when individuals work together openly process and goals become more aligned leading the group towards a higher success rate of achieving a common goal collaboration spurs creativity improves productivity and increases employee satisfaction A very warm welcome to the show, and I am your host Azim Sahil, a human capital specialist, a Lego Series Play facilitator, ICF certified coach, and an emotional intelligence practitioner. Here we are again for another exciting episode, a thirty minutes of valuable learning. In today's episode, we are going to talk about collaboration. It's not just collaboration. How can this particular element of behavioral intelligence lead to collaboration? in that aspect i do have uh, someone who specializes in behavioral intelligence let me introduce to him he's all the way from us so uh is a fantastic person this is the second time i'm meeting him uh, but we have been social media has been a played platform for us to get connected let me introduce to him he's an internationally renowned speaker a trainer and an organizational uh, consultant as well uh specializes in behavioral and performance he works with people and organization to empower teams go profits and transform leaders through behavioral intelligence that's why i said it's very intelligent i said that's why this individual is the ideal person for this topic he's a ted talk uh, tedx speaker forbes business council member and he's given keynotes and workshops in 20 countries across four continents Ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome Jay Johnson, CEO of Koyas Creative Group, US. Thank you, Azim. Jay, welcome to the cafe. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. So, uh, first and foremost, thank you very much for being here um, in my cafe at this moment. Thank you very much for spending your valuable time with me. 
it is my absolute honor, but let me tell you, I really wish I could be enjoying a cup of coffee with you rather than just this <laughs> virtual, but someday we'll do that for sure. It's for great sure. to see you. Izzy. For sure, for sure. So Jay, the topic is, can behavioral intelligence lead to collaboration? We have been talking a lot in terms of workshops. I know you have done a lot of work around this particular area. Um, collaboration is one of the key elements every organization looking for. The reason being is organizations are becoming very global workplace now, right? So my first question to you is on this line, have cultures become the main driver of behaviors to work across culture to build collaboration? What is your thought? So one of the things that we talk about a lot in the behavioral intelligence sphere is cultural adaptability and exhibiting behaviors that are fostering better understanding, better connections, better relationships with people that are different from us. You know, we all know that diversity and inclusion is a critical aspect. Well, culture is a huge player inside of that sphere. So behavioral intelligence is really about helping people to explain the behaviors of different cultures to predict uh, how those cultures may interact with each other, but then also to influence and control to help build and foster better collaboration. Yeah, in that line, um, what are the key elements when you talk about behavioral intelligence? If you, you know, uh, the concept of emotional intelligence also, uh, it's, it's a bit new in terms of people talking it. Now, when you say behavioral intelligence, people will look very uh, stunning, like they think, oh, what is this new thing, behavioral intelligence? Yeah. Can you just put it <laughs> in a very simple term where our listeners could make it really, really uh, practical? Yeah, I, I would love to. So uh, behavioral intelligence is like the ugly cousin of emotional intelligence that did not get invited to the party. So we've, we've cleaned them up, we're bringing it back and, and really showing the value of what behavioral intelligence is. So if I was to, uh, are you a card player? Do you ever play poker, Azim? Uh, no, no. Okay, so I'm gonna use a poker analogy here. So we, we poker, the game, you know, you're dealt cards, somebody else has dealt cards, you play against each other, pretty much any card game. If you think about those card games as the cards are emotional intelligence, we don't get to choose what cards we get, just like we don't get to choose what emotions that we feel. We don't get to see the other person's cards, just like we can't see the other person's uh, emotions. So the behavioral intelligence is choosing how we play those cards. It's looking at the way that somebody else plays their cards and getting a better understanding of where they're actually at. So the behavioral intelligence is it's, it's beautifully linked to emotional intelligence. You can't have one without the other. Emotions drive our behaviors and in turn, our behaviors drive our emotions. So focusing on the aspects of behavioral intelligence is how are people playing their cards? How are they doing and utilizing the behaviors? I could be so angry with you, Azim. I could be so frustrated, but I can choose not to exhibit that. I could be really happy with you and think that you're the most amazing team player, but I could choose not to acknowledge that in a meeting. 
those behavioral choices are what we try to help people make better choices and behave intelligently. All right, uh, can, I, can I ask you a question on the same line you just finished it? Now you said, for example, for a meeting, um, I cannot showcase my behavior in a meeting which I am so angry at you, Jay, right? Mm -hmm. Is there any, uh, you know, uh, let me put in a way like that, uh, a conflict, an issue, a health-related issue will erupt in that element? Because we, we, we know that people are really good at acting, right? right? In the meeting, we me and you will respond, but we have that grudge inside, you know, do you think there'll be a, a health-related issue? It can, if you're just suppressing your emotions. We don't wanna suppress our emotions. We just wanna act on them in a functional and more pro-social way. So for example, if I'm in that meeting, instead of taking negative consequence behaviors and yelling or screaming or being uh, aggressive or confrontational, how can we choose a different set of behaviors to give us a more positive result? So for example, I might be frustrated with you, but can I control my emotions to say, I'm not gonna yell, I'm not gonna scream, I'm not gonna react, but I'm gonna intelligently think through all right, maybe I could have a conversation with Azim. Maybe that's a difficult conversation and I'm scared to have that conversation, but how can I use my behaviors in order to better facilitate an understanding of where Azim is coming from? Or how can I use my behaviors to create a safe space or a psychological safety that we could actually have an open dialogue and have a conversation that, that creates a positive value? And I think that's where the behaviors come in is, stopping that that momentary space between the emotions that we have so emotional intelligence is critical we have to understand where our emotions come from where they're triggered how they they come up we have to regulate those internal behavior internal emotions so we can regulate our behaviors and then choose a more functional behavior to create the outcomes that we want Fantastic. Thank you for uh, answering. So, Jay, uh, there's a really interesting th thing that uh, I read in your uh, website, um, that the, how this behavioral intelligence came into the practice. Uh, it debuted uh, in a military strategy, isn't it? Would you like to share with us? Yeah. So, uh, behavioral intelligence is not a new framework. It's something that you know, if you go back on any of the intelligences, we all you're probably very aware of uh, Gardner and his work on multiple intelligences that then opened up doorways for emotional intelligence and musical intelligence or mathematical intelligence and identifying these different capacities for intelligence. One of the capacities that was being used was behavioral intelligence as it applied to the military uh, industrial complex. And what they were doing was actually analyzing, utilizing data and metrics to analyze the behaviors of enemy combatants in order to better give an understanding of their strategy, how they were uh, operating, what their cultural norms were, what their hierarchies were, et cetera. And that intelligence was then utilized for essentially battle, right? Understanding those types of things. 
that when the advent of computers had come along and we could collect way more data, that application actually went into behavioral economics and understanding not just in the military industrial complex, but also within corporations or within buying patterns within a number of different places. This newest iteration and the way that we're defining the space can has part of the problem with the definition of behavioral intelligence for a long time, it was very restricted and very limited to those applications. And what we're doing is opening up space to not just have it being, you know, the data analytics that come from behavioral economics, which are really important, but also an application to human behavior. And how do you and I interact with each other? How does a leader interact with their followers? How does a team collaborate effectively? And by utilizing a behavioral intelligence approach, we can identify those behaviors that are positive, that create more collaboration, and we can identify the behaviors that are going to reduce collaboration. And I think that that's really kind of the, the genesis was the application to military, but the, the reach of behavioral intelligence goes much, much farther. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing because that, that line was very interesting when I was start reading on the on your on your website. Um, in that line, you already touched on my next question, but I won't want to get it deeper. Like my next question was what is the connection between behaviorally intelligent and the collaboration? Uh, as you clearly said, how it 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 can get on the same platform and how you perform. Uh, is there any example or your experience you would like to share with our listeners? the positive impact of behavioral intelligence has led to the collaboration and increase of their performance. Anything you have in your mind to share with us? Yeah, absolutely. So we are all human beings. We all have different ideas and wants and drives and goals and everything else. And I want you to think about a team that you've worked with where maybe there was low trust or maybe there was a lack of communication or maybe there was some other issue that created challenges for that team to collaborate effectively. If you look at it and break it down, you can say, well, that was just a bad team. Behavioral intelligence goes the step further and say, okay, well, why? What behaviors created that? This behavior of resource guarding, this behavior of, uh, you know, interpersonal conflict that was occurring between two members. So it actually goes to the granular behavioral state of saying what behaviors contributed to our failures, but also we can look at it and say what behaviors contribute to our success. How can I build better trust with Azeem? How can I be uh, more reliable? How can I be more innovative inside of that team? If I know that I have somebody who behaviorally prefers uh, ideation and innovation, can I put that person in a position where they're going to thrive rather than saying in that team, you're responsible for the logistics, which maybe behaviorally they don't have a preference. Mm -hmm. So one of the tools that we've built is called our behavioral elements program. And that is really about understanding and identifying what our behavioral preferences are. So I am a fire. Uh, my behavioral preferences are competition and drive and goals and, and pushing forward and ambition versus one of my business partners who might be a water, uh, which is much more towards the team and the feeling and the people and the empathy. 
So we have to learn to collaborate effectively together despite that we have different behavioral preferences. And that's a really powerful way to use behavioral intelligence to foster high performing teams and high collaborative teams. Absolutely. Uh, uh, once I did that assessment as well, when you post it online, and uh, it got me water as well. So really, really matching that element of behavioral element I have with that, that it, um, the statement it gives, I think it's really interesting to try out this particular thing. Um, Jay, if I ask like this, now, can this assessment what you do in terms of behavioral intelligence, how accurate is it in terms of organization? Yeah, so I, I'm glad that you asked that question. It's really interesting because we do a lot of organizational consulting to help them to learn the behaviors of their internal organization, so their culture, right? We're going back to what you had said. When we think about organizational culture, culture is made of people and people behave whether good or bad. So if you're fostering positive behaviors or pro-social behaviors, you're going to have a positive or a pro-social culture. If you're fostering negative behaviors uh, where there's, a, you know, over competition amongst your internal teams, or if you're fostering it where there's no trust or there's uh, micromanaging or any of those types of things, you're going to have a very different culture. So what we do is we actually utilize the behavioral intelligence model to explain what behaviors of the organization exist. How did they come to exist? Were they fostered by leadership? Were they fostered by policy? Were they fostered by necessity? Once we can explain those behaviors, well, then we can predict those patterns of behaviors because we do the same things every single day. Our behavioral patterns are very clear and present. So we can explain it, we can predict it. Once we can predict it, we can then choose to influence it or we can control it from ourselves. We can't control other people, but we can control our own behaviors. So that's where we get into teaching leadership how to control their behaviors in order to better influence the entirety of an organization or how me as a employee of an organization, how can I influence the entire culture of an organization? Because it really does start and end with behavior in that aspect. That's why we say that behavior is really a core of all success and failure. If we're not able to behave intelligently, we know what can go wrong inside of an organization, a culture, a company, a sales, uh, a sales presentation and negotiation, you name it. So that's how we apply it to that organizational side. Absolutely. So when, when it comes to behavioral, let, let me put in this particular way. I, I'm a person who, who like to express certain things straightforward, right? Uh, there might be people in an organization with two different teams, different units, different departments have to work together to make certain projects successful. But their values and beliefs are different, right? Uh, we, we see a lot of things like that, but then in that instance, do you think still this behavioral intelligence can be a part of it? Absolutely. And, and, and quite frankly, it's behavioral intelligence that gives me hope. And I'll tell you why. There are so many different, uh, you know, I, being in the United States of America, there's different factions, different beliefs, different communication styles, different uh, preferences or choices of political candidates. But through behaving intelligently, we can have civil conversations and civil discourse to try to understand each other. 
one of the fundamental tenets of behavioral intelligence is the practical applications of empathy and psychological safety. So it's really about taking and saying, okay, even if you and I, Azim, and, and you and I are very aligned on so many different things, so it's kind of funny to even say this, but even if you and I were very, very different and had different beliefs and values, behavioral intelligence tells me I need to control my behavior. I need to control my desire to say why you're wrong. I need to control my desire to say why your belief is not as good as my belief. I need to try to understand yours. So I would use something like our, you know, a, a cognitive empathy and saying, where did that belief come from, Azim? How did you get to that belief? Where is that structure? And learning the aspects of trying to explain where you come from. Stephen Covey said it best, seek first to understand, then to be understood. And that's a fundamental tenet. So when we practice behavioral intelligence, we're practicing controlling our behaviors long enough that we can try to have an open dialogue or a trusting dialogue with somebody that maybe doesn't share our beliefs. I've seen this work inside of hospitals and healthcare systems that we consult with where a nurse or a doctor may not share the exact same beliefs on education or on gender equality or on whatever else with the patient that they're serving. They still have to provide top medical service. So how can you have a behavioral interaction that ultimately leads to trust and positivity that has to be conducted? And that's true in business, that's true in government, that's true anywhere. So utilizing that behavioral approach of saying, maybe I don't like your behaviors, but that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Some people, we all as human beings are capable of great positive behaviors and negative bad behaviors, right? So sometimes we make bad choices. That doesn't make us a bad person. I make mistakes, you make mistakes, we all make mistakes. How can we separate behavior from the person through behavioral intelligence? Wow, that's, that's, that says a lot of uh, element of behavior, how much of intelligence you should have. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. 20 years back, we always talk about IQ, right? Then we come to EQ. Now I would say DQ. What is your take? Yeah, so... Intelligence really measures your capacity to learn or your cognitive capabilities, but it doesn't mean you can be the most intelligent person on the planet. If you don't have a good grasp of emotional intelligence, you will fail. People won't like you. You won't understand why you're getting so frustrated. You won't understand why um, you know, you're, you're not connecting with other people. Emotional, uh, emotional quotient, and as Daniel Goleman says, as, as a number of the, the main scholars in the emotional intelligence space, it's one of the key aspects of leadership. And what we posit is, is BQ is a nice complementary function of that as well. You know, our, our behavioral intelligence is they're synonymous. Once we can become more emotionally intelligent, we can also become behaviorally intelligent. And that rounds us out as people. We have the internal locus as well as the external display locus. And I think that those two things, if you look at any of the most successful leaders, 
you will identify specific patterns of behaviors that they do every single day, whether that's they don't check their cell phones in the morning or whether it is something along the lines of they remember everybody's name at the company. There are specific behavioral patterns that we can identify that lead to success. There's specific emotional patterns that we can identify that lead to success. Having BQ and EQ critical to leadership, to functionality in our professional lives, but also to more robust and a higher quality life in our personal lives as well. Absolutely, that's what it is really, really, really important because when you when you lose your focus on your personal life, automatically your work life gets tangled as well. So when you talk about success, uh, Jane, my next question is, you know, every organization is trying to thrive a lot with this collaboration concept, especially, you know, getting in that global workspace coming into the picture, everybody's getting collaborated in terms of organization, but people are not getting collaborated. So with your experience uh, with this particular industry, what are the challenges organizations have in terms of working across cultures and collaborating? What, 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 what do you think? I think one of the biggest challenges that a lot of companies has is actually defining what is collaboration. Because when we think about it, my interpretation of collaboration could be very different than yours. For example, in a collaborative environment, maybe I say we all sit down for a meeting for an hour, we have discussions, dialogues and conversations. And then at the end of that meeting, I leave and go do my own part of it. You leave and go do your own part of it. And the team breaks up and they go do their own pieces. That could be collaboration. And then we all come back and we compare notes or whatever. Well, that could be collaboration. Another form of collaboration is miniaturized teams within the larger team. So we have our meeting and then you, me, and somebody else go work on one thing. You and me go work on EQ and BQ and somebody else goes and works on innovation and ideation and so on and so forth. But you have miniature collaborative teams feeding a larger collaborative team. There's other instances where it is all collaboration and the work or the product or the output is done by the collective inside of a meeting space or inside of a collaboration space. I don't know which one is the right form of collaboration, but ultimately I think that's a huge challenge of what is my expectations as an individual in collaboration? What are my organizational or team expectations for collaboration? defining that out and having a good model and understanding of what we mean when we say collaboration, I think can help to foster collaboration. It's just like, it's just like anything. When you're creating goals, you have targeted smart goals, you have measurables, you have indicators. When you're creating something like, uh, you know, a, a workout plan, you have specific details of defining your expectations. That is a huge challenge within organizations, I believe, is what is your expectation that collaboration is and how people interact with each other inside of that collaboration. So uh, before I move on to my last question, now you said you define what is the purpose of the collaboration. Can a leader pick and choose people who are in the same behavioral element or can he get the opposite behavioral element into the picture and try to you know, mold it around? That is a great question. I think different scenarios maybe require a different approach, right? So there are some instances where it's, 
hey, we need to beat these goals and objectives. Let's take a whole group of fire, put them in a room and let them figure out how to do that. They're going to drive forward. But there's other instances where you definitely don't want to do that or two fires are going to go head to head and compete with each other, you know. So uh, when we look at the behavioral elements, it's really about identifying what, what do we want to accomplish? So that program, uh, like, for example, my team at Coeus Creative Group, we're very diverse. There's a couple of fires, there's a couple of airs, there's a couple of waters, and there's a couple of earths. And realistically, we collaborate. To, we've had to learn to learn to behave together because, you know, our Earth preference might say, well, how are we going to do this? And how are we going to think about this? And why are we going to go forward with this? And what does this look like? And they're wanting some process or systems while our air element is going, we'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. You know, and our fire elements are already implementing it. And our water elements going, stop arguing, you know? So when we think about the way that those different things interact, we need to look at it and say, well, what positives can come out of it? Okay, our earth can provide systems thinking and, and analytics and data-driven approach. Our water can do the team aspect, the empathy, the connection. Our air aspect can bring in, you know, innovation, ideas, agility, and all of those, you know, really kind of entrepreneurial mindsets. And our fire can deliver and push and drive. So they work well together. But there's also opportunities to really kind of focus our behavioral approach to solving different organizational challenges. Awesome explanation, Jay. So that, that I think we have come to the end of our conversation. So before we wind up, I always uh, like to have a key takeaway for my listeners on this particular episode. So Jay, what are the what would be three things you can share to our listeners to increase their behavioral intelligence to become more collaborative person? Sure. Number one is awareness and learning things like emotional intelligence. So you can be aware of your emotions. You can be aware of your environment. You can be aware of uh, your upbringing or your psychological uh, components. Awareness and being able to track your awareness is, is a huge, huge aspect. It's one of the most important. You can't change anything until you become aware of what you're doing monitoring your behaviors, understanding that if I do this, this is what the result is. So it's actually an awareness capacity. Number two is if you want to do behavioral change, don't try to build an entire city in one day. It's small behavioral changes that ultimately lead to habits that ultimately lead to powerful, powerful transformations in the end. We never think to start tiny. If you wanna start working out and you don't work out, start with one push up a day and then move it to two and then to three and then to four, but you start small and you build momentum and success in behavioral change. And then finally, the last one that I would say is be very cognizant of how you ultimately see the world. We look and we make these snap judgments of yes or no, up or down. And the reality is, is human behavior is very, very complex. It's complex because we as humans are complex. Our biology is complex. Our situations, our nature is complex. So when we take a look at behavior and, and the third one, we have awareness, we have you know that application piece starting small. But we also have to take a look and say, 
how can I look at behavior as more of a scientist? How can I ask a question of why? Where did that behavior come from? How did it come to be? Why does Azim do what he does? Why does Jay do what he does? And asking that question of why. So awareness, application, and then the why. If you have those three elements, you can massively improve your behavioral intelligence. Fantastic, Jay. Thank you very much for sharing those three key elements. So ladies and gentlemen, that's the time that we have for today. Um, my key takeaway is EQ plus BQ is the success. So while you focus on your behavioral element, as Jay said, just starts as a simple step by step at a time to bring that large appeal, that larger city, what Jay was talking about. What is your takeaway going to have from this session? Hope you had a lot of takeaways to be taken. So I would like to thank Jay Johnson, CEO of Koyas uh, Creative Group uh, US. You can get connected to Jay through his social media network, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And we'd like to get explore what he does in the organization. And most importantly, you want to know whether you are a fire, you are water, or you are earth or air, please log on to www.koyascreativegroup.com and you can get it your behavioral item as well. So once again, Jay, thank you very much for your valuable time spending in this cafe. Uh, it was an exciting conversation and thank you very much. It was my absolute pleasure and keep doing what you're doing, Azim. This is amazing. I love watching all of, uh, all of your interviews and everything. You're doing some really incredible things. So thank you for having me. It's been my honor. Thank you, Jay. That's the end of another exciting episode. Your emotions influences your behaviors and your behaviors become your habit. Build your understanding of others' behavior to collaborate more effectively. I believe this conversation was very interesting and useful for your personal and professional life. My special thanks to Jay Johnson, CEO of Koyes Creative Group US, for spending his valuable time in the cafe. So stay tuned in and for the next episode, we are going to take another interesting topic in the cafe. EI Cafe with Azim, a 30 minutes of valuable learning. Keep listening, keep learning and keep improving. So that's it for another episode of EI Cafe with Azim. Thank you so much for tuning in and it's really appreciated. Please subscribe to the show so you get an update on my next episode. Write a review to the show and leave a 5 star to the show. Please do follow me on social media Azim Sahil. And do write to me what topic and from whom do you want to hear it from. Where I will try to get them on board for you. Till I meet you on another exciting episode, checking out of the cafe. My name is Azim Sahil. Stay safe and God bless you.